Today's episode of Ag State of Mind is brought to you by Grasshopper Mowers. With Grasshopper Mowers, nothing gets in the way of mow day. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. It doesn't matter whether you're on the backfield or the front yard. On Mo Day, perfection is a game of inches. It's a battle of fence line and fierce terrain. Out there, on that grasshopper mower, You don't let anything stop your stripes. Nothing stands in the way of a job well done. For more on Mow Day and Grasshopper Mowers, visit grasshoppermower.com. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast, a proud member of the Global Ag Network. I am your host, Jason Meadows. Today we are talking to Ashley Kennedy. Ashley is a dairy farmer up in Michigan and her and I were able to connect. We, I put out one of these tweets like I do from time to time talking about how I wanted to speak with someone and their experience with not just ADHD, but with just taking meds for their mental health in general. And, um, I was connected to, Ashley and I had already been connected, but uh, somebody mentioned her name and we had that podcast, had that conversation and it did not disappoint. We got into some really great material, really great conversation about mental health, mental health and agriculture and just uh, mental health and our children. And it just was a incredible conversation. I'm really excited for you guys to hear from her. So um, if you have not yet, please be sure to go to my website, agstateofmind.com. Sign up for our email list so you'll get weekly updates on the podcast, updates on our yoga studio, updates on the farm, our family. Um, Just if you want to keep up, if you don't want to kind of sift through social media and you want updates on the podcast direct to your inbox, please go to agstateofmind.com and subscribe. So, all right. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Here is the episode. All right. Ashley Kennedy, welcome to the Ag State of Mind podcast. Thanks for joining me this evening. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Were your ears burning last night? (laughs) No, they weren't. We We were talking about you. I had Michelle, I talked to Michelle Payne last night for a podcast and your name came up and, you know, I forgot to even mention the tour that I was talking to you tonight. So, uh, but, uh, it was all good things. I promise. Oh, good. Good. I, I adore Michelle. She's fun. Yeah. She's been a huge supporter of this podcast. And honestly, I'm not sure as far as when this podcast comes out and when the one with hers will come out. But uh, they will be very close to one another. So she's uh, she's been an incredible supporter and friend to us, what we do here. So it's fun to work, kind of run in the same circles. Yeah, she's an awesome person to run in the same circle with. She's really knowledgeable. And I love the fact that she's picked up kind of this new thread and is, you know, taking some taking it some interesting places. She is for sure. 
It must have been, I think it was, we were talking about her calendar. Yeah, her wellness calendar. Yeah, I can't remember what she called it. Oh my gosh, she's going to kill me. (laughs) I think you had some contributions in there, so did I. And, um, you know, it was just funny to hear the names that she says and like, oh, you know, I know that person. I know that person. (laughs) And it comes like Nathan Brown and Adrian DeSutter. They're two friends of mine that are very close friends of mine. So it's cool that we were all able to work on this project separately, but all of it come together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been really cool to see how it all came together. And, you know, after we talked to Michelle and, you know, sent these things in to the interwebs and then you get it back and you're like, oh, this is really neat to see what everybody else contributed and to see it all together and how it progresses through the year. And yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a really and I remember whenever we were whenever we were working on the project, I was like, oh, 2022, that seems like a long ways away. Except for now it's here. Like I'm like, what? You know? So it was and you know that thing that her calendar, she sent me the copy of it and it's been there for a it's couple been a months. Wh- it's been there, yeah, since I've gotten it. And I just looked at it the other day. I was like, Oh, this is this is real now. Like this is actually yep. I need to start paying attention and flipping this thing. Yep. Absolutely. I'm sitting on my desk and it was a little buried just because, you know, fall and then into winter, it takes a little bit to clean your desk off. And I was like, oh, yeah, I need to put this up. Thankfully, I was only a week behind. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, me too. (laughs) So tell everybody a bit about you and then we're going to then we'll get into how you and I connected and why we connected and go from there. Perfect. So yeah, I'm Ashley and my husband, Eric, and I are third generation farmers. We took over the farm that my family had um, been running. We have two daughters, Callie and Adeline. Callie's six and Adeline's three. And we're dairy farmers. We milk 240 cows and um, we raise all the young stock born on the farm. So we have a birth to feeder dairy beef operations. So we have lots to keep ourselves busy. And our farm really revolves around technology. So we, we have automated milkers, we have automated calf feeders, uh, automated feed pushers. So yeah, our farm's really focused around technology. So an automated, you said automated milker. Mm -hmm. Like I said, before we started recording, I am dairy illiterate and about as dumb as a person can come totally naive (laughs) to anything dairy so explain to me how that works because i have no idea yeah so there's a box that the cow walks into and if it's her time to get milked so they can only like the closest they can get milked is every four hours and that's a really out you know they range from like down to two times a day to up to six throughout the day, depending on the cow and how much milk she's giving. And so in front of her, there's a feed trough and she gets given pellets and that supplements her nutrition. And that also goes depending on how much she's making. So her calorie intake is a directly a result to how many pellets she gets or how much she gets. So it's her time to get milked. So then there's an arm that rolls out and goes under her. And there are brushes that will actually clean her teats and mm-hmm. disinfect them. 
And then it has four separate milk cups that then it attaches. And as each quarter gets done, it pulls it off. It sprays her with teat dip and she gets let out. The average cow is in there for seven minutes. And how much volume does she produce in seven minutes? It really depends on the cow. You know, we have about to dry up, meaning that they're about to have their two-month vacation before they calve. And so, you know, they might only be milking 50 pounds. And we have cows that milk upwards of 150 pounds. So. Wow. And are you running Holsteins? Is that the breed or? So we have, I grew up with Holsteins and then okay. I that we needed jerseys so we have kind of a mixed herd of jerseys and holsteins but the majority of our herd is holstein so why did you need the jerseys is it was it an efficiency thing what what was it about that well i at the time i really thought they were cute like <laughs> yeah sure I, they were cute and i wanted them but you know at the time we were an intensive grazing farm we did that uh -huh. for I don't know, 15 years, uh -huh. maybe. And so, you know, jerseys are really good at that. They're just right. very razors. They're fantastic. So that's how I was able to talk my parents into buying them for me. But now, you know, a lot of traditional Holstein farmers are switching to jerseys because they see the efficiencies. Mm -hmm. And because jerseys are super efficient cow, they can milk right. as much as a Holstein, but they eat so much less feed. Right. Smaller. And jerseys are really excellent cows in the robots. They think it's like a game. And so they'll go into the robot as much as you'll let them. And so they're really like natural cows for the robot. You know, I've had some Jersey cross cows in my beef herd and they're so intelligent they're a pain in the butt like absolutely you know. <laughs> yep 100 we always say that all the time about them like they're way too smart for their own good yeah yeah for sure like it's uh i've they'll do things you know i've got this one she's all kinds of messed up i think she's got some longhorn in her but she definitely has some jersey in her too and i mean if there's a place she wants to go there's not a fence that's going to keep her in but you know she raises a big calf and brings the calf to town every you know every year so we keep her around um huh? she's worth her trouble so yeah um, no, there's yeah we definitely have those around our place <laughs> so we were connected i think i think it was our mutual friend janice person is that is that right okay i'm trying to think i'm trying to backtrack here and you yep. know what i did anytime i'm curious of a topic related to mental health mm -hmm. i go to twitter because it seems to be the place where i get the most feedback and you know sometimes it's not always the best feedback but you get can able you're able to sift through it and uh you know i wanted to i became very curious about adhd and someone who has dealt with it has managed it and kind of overcoming the stigma that mm -hmm. because there as much as a stigma as there is around mental health there's a huge one right still yep. to this day there still is a huge stigma but i think that stigma is even 
more amplified when it comes to ADHD. Uh, and it's always, it's used as like a purgative with people. Oh my gosh, I have, I'm so ADD or, you know what I mean? You know how people yep. use that. And I just kind of got curious like I do and <laughs> want to know. And, uh, you know, I was able to, we earlier in the, I think it was late in the year last year, we had Sammy Wagsness on where oh, she yeah. talked about her journey with ADHD and then Janice connected me to you. So I'm very interested to see how it works with you because of really because of the work you do as being a dairy producer. Yeah. It has to affect that. And I'm just, I'm just curious at your, point of view your perspective with that yeah so yes it affects you know everything in my life i am an adult who was diagnosed with adhd so i'm a little different i think sammy was diagnosed when she was a little bit younger i don't think yeah she was college age, yeah I, think. I was gonna say i don't think she was a little kid but you know she had it quite a bit earlier than me mine's been in like the last two years and oh, okay. so I spent my whole life just thinking I was weird because mm. there's the two types, there's two forms of ADHD and everybody's kind of a little mix of it, but everybody always thinks of the first type, which is hyperactivity. Well, I wasn't very hyper. I was a little bit, but then I grew out of it and everybody was like, oh, you're fine. Like no big deal. But I've always had the second type, the internal type, always hanging around. So I've always felt like I had to prove myself constantly. Emotional management. I, you know, had a lot of anger issues as a kid. And even now as an adult, my brain works so fast that there's just knee-jerk reaction on everything you know somebody offends me and I'm gonna like come back with whatever is like my gut reaction and people would always say to me you just need to like take a breath and count to five and I was like I I can't even stop myself to think I need to you know take a breath this is a situation where I shouldn't lose my garbage like you know <laughs> And I never understood that until, you know, my psychiatrist got me on some meds that are doing really well for me. And I'm like, oh, this is what it's like when your kid's being a turd and you can just be like, like, I'm not, you know, where you're like, I'm not going to kill him. I'm not going to kill him. I'm not going to kill him in your head. So, yeah. And you know, a big part of it, and I still do kind of struggle with this, is like the getting lost. I can, like for a week, I'll be really good on my schedule and I won't, you know, I'll hit all the things that I need to hit. And then all of a sudden one day it just kind of leaves. And then Eric's, my husband is like, how do you miss this? You've watching it. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Hmm. I don't know. How did I miss it? And then, you know, you start learning about it and you're like, oh, like this is part of ADHD. Like I just things I, I can leave myself all the notes and I might still walk past the note <laughs> and read it. Mm -hmm. so, so yeah, it does. It's been getting better. It's, you know, I have to do a lot of like proactive things to try to keep myself 
you know, organized and in the direction that I need to go, but it, there's still hard days. It's getting better, but. So whenever you, whenever you started seeing a physician mm -hmm. in regards to this and was it, I mean, did you have like an idea that this was what was happening with you or when they used, when they told you, yeah, this sounds like ADHD or this is ADHD, like, was that a, how, how emotionally was that for you? So when they told me that, ironically, it had never clicked with me and I never knew to like advocate for myself. I just thought, I was spacey and I was flaky and I would never get my life together. Is that because it was that, sorry to interrupt you, but was that because, was that like outside influence yeah. or was that the just, yeah. Okay. Yeah. People tell maybe, maybe people telling you like that and you started to believe it about yourself. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. And then ironically, I was listening to a podcast. It's like a women's based podcast and they did it on ADHD because women and girls tend to have the second internal type of ADHD more. And it goes super undiagnosed because it's, you know, it's harder to diagnose and often women are actually diagnosed with like bipolar disorder or something else. And then later in life, they figure out that they have ADHD. And so, so yeah, I was listening to that podcast and it was like, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is me. This is, I am one of these 300% that, you know, increase in getting diagnosed with ADHD as an adult in women. And so, yeah, that's when I started talking to my therapist and then I got with a psychiatrist and I've been, you know, talking to them and they're like, yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> so, yeah. Interesting. That's super interesting. And you know, when I started the podcast, I talked about a lot about in the beginning about depression and anxiety and the, because those are things that I struggled with. But I never thought I would talk about this, first of all, because it's not something I struggle with. It's not something that is is a part of my journey. But at the same time, it's a part of a lot of people's journeys. And I think a lot of people can kind of have some solidarity with you in knowing that, hey, we're not the only ones who feel this way. Totally. And I think like for me, it was refreshing just to be like, it's not just me. I don't just have this brain that, you know, doesn't seem to function the way society wants you to function or hmm. but And so it was even just from the aspect of being like, it's not just me. But then it also, it gave me the power to advocate for myself because then I said to myself, well, I don't have to live like this. I know that I don't have to live like this. And it may take me a while to truly get myself to where I want to be, but I can start taking steps today to get myself there. And, you know, it's been helpful with my daughter because trying to get a six-year-old girl diagnosed with ADHD is like pulling your hair out because mm -hmm. she's only six. I don't right. really verbalize like what she's like, but I know that if I get diagnosed, it's genetic. 
And so then I can be like, I have it. Let's check her for this. Like, please. So you can not only advocate for yourself, but advocate for your daughter as well. And that's very valuable as a parent. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's actually why I started my journey. Part A big part of it was because nobody was listening to me when I was like, she's not just like she has these mood swings and at five years old, she should start being able to like start to kind of temper and understand. And I was just like, this is so frustrating because I've been there, you know, and there was nobody to help me. And I didn't want her to live like that. I didn't want Mm. feel like I did as a kid. And so I said, all right, I'm pretty sure I'm ADHD. I start down this path it makes the path easier for her. So that was actually my motivation to start seeing a psychiatrist. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have done it. But for her, I started doing it. And now I'm so glad that I'm doing it because it has definitely made me a better parent. Not perfect, but I'm getting there. (laughs) So I can find some common ground with you on this and the fact that I have four boys. Mm -hmm. One of them struggles like I do Mm -hmm. emotionally intensity wise and we're both very intense we feel our feelings Mm -hmm. all the way right we feel the happiest when we're happy and we feel the worst when we're sad or angry we feel those and I I think that's a big part of my why Mm -hmm. as well is I felt like a lot of my journey could have been easier had it been paid attention to when I was his age, he's 11 now, you know, and I see things that he does that I did. And, and I don't want to like, I don't want to fault my parents for anything because they did the best they could. They did the best they knew how they didn't have all the tools that we have now. Um, so I, I don't ever want to come off sounding like a victim with this because I'm not, but I I had to do a lot of the work later in life, and I want to spare him some of that pain and hardship when he's in his 20s and 30s. If he can make those small little changes in his habits and his daily living when he's 10, 11, 12, before he gets even gets to be a teenager. Yep. Again, that's a big part of my why. And it's another, that's a question I get asked a lot is how do you talk to your kids about mental health? How do you talk to them about all the things that you do? And, and I'm not so sure I actually talk to them like in the traditional sense, but I show them, Mm -hmm. I do the work for myself. I we're very open about, I go, I go see a counselor. Mm -hmm. I take medication. We norm, we just, we don't necessarily like make it a point to talk about it, but we also don't shy away from it either. We make it a, we just normalize the conversation around it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, for us, our school has free therapy. They have a therapist in, Oh wow. I think she's a counselor, but still they have a counselor in the school. And when they sent the form home to be like, would you like your children to see the therapist? I was like, oh, yeah. Like, what kind of a question is that? And she adores her counselor in school. Like, she's fantastic. And when I talked to her and I said, okay, this is what I think's going on. And she goes, yep. 
we'll get her tested we'll get her reviewed we'll get that process started because she's like yeah it takes a long time and it was kind of you know my parents also did the best that they could you know my mom went and talked to my teacher and said, do you think she has ADD? Like, should I get her into a doctor? And they all said, well, she's a little hyper, but no, I don't think, you know, she's real bad. But, you know, back then they didn't talk about type two. Right. Right. And, you know, yeah. And so I, I know that my parents really did the best that they could. And they're still like, my parents are fantastic, but at the same time, I don't think there's anything wrong with being like, but I want to do my best to do better. Well, you have to become your, you have to separate yourself from that and do what, and, and like you say, be your own best advocate. Yeah, yep, absolutely. So, so yeah, no, it is really important. And yeah, we don't necessarily talk about it, but my kids see me take my medicine every morning. I go yep. see a therapist too. Like sometimes I go see Lisa and I love Lisa. <laughs> and, you know, so we just, yeah. We just make it a regular part of life. And we talk about feelings as a regular part of our lives too. Like trying to put words to it or pictures and drawing how you feel Mm, that are mm, mm. approachable for your child at whatever age they are. You know, mine are pretty young yet. And so often being like, here, color your feelings is the perfect thing to do. Yeah. For me, what we do is instead of like blocking feelings, we encourage our kids to feel them, you know, and like, it's okay that you're mad. It's okay that you're sad. It's okay that you're disappointed to like validate those feelings. Like you, yeah, it's okay to feel like that, but you also have to learn to manage them as well. And, you know, I think that's a lot of people have the issues is when they just, they, resist those feelings so much that they get like suppressed and then all of a sudden you can't suppress them anymore and they just explode so that's what we're, we're really trying to work on and um, like i said we're not perfect like we're, we're i mean lord knows we're not but we're, we try pretty damn hard absolutely yeah and i think that's part of it too like just your kids seeing you trying I think, you know, because anytime you talk to a doctor or a therapist and you say, I'm concerned about this, the first thing out of everybody's mouth is the fact that you're concerned about it probably means that your kid is okay. You know, whatever you think you're doing wrong, whatever, you know, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, they're like 80% <laughs> of the time, like whatever you're worried about, like just the fact that you're talking to me and asking about it means that your kid's going to be okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a really, that's a that's a really good point because you know just recognizing that there could be an issue you're you're all probably already down the right path you know what I mean totally so I want to go back and talk about your if you're okay yep. about this I want to talk about the therapist in the school mm-hmm. that's super intriguing to me because it is I don't I don't think of course I'm the father, and as the father, I don't know jack about what goes on at my kid's school. Fair enough. So, with that being said, I don't think that that is an option in our school, and I I think I would at least know that much. So, I'm very curious as to 
what that looks like and how mm-hmm. it's utilized. And I don't know if you, you said it, you're in Michigan. What part of Michigan are you so in? So I'm in, if anybody knows Michigan, I'm in the thumb. Or if you don't know okay. Michigan, like East Central, basically. Gotcha. gotcha. So, okay. yeah, I don't think it's really common, even in our area, because I mention it to parents. And I know that there is one other school in the area that has one too, but yeah, they work with the hospital. It's the same hospital that our school nurses through. And so she has her own office and she does one day a week and she comes at the same time every day. So my daughter goes like Monday in the morning. She works with the teacher on when is a good time. And so, yeah, she pulls her out. She gets to do, I think it's 45 minutes, one-on-one with the counselor. And, you know, it. she's a pediatric specialist, you know, an adolescent specialist counselor. So they do a lot of play therapy. And so, you know, they play, but they talk about things. You know, I've said to Callie, my daughter, I said, you know, what did you guys talk about? And she goes, well, we've talked about, how it's okay to feel feelings, but I have to learn how to express them better than I do. Like I just get Hmm. mad and stomp around and hit and kick. And I was like, okay, cool. How old's this daughter? How old is she? Six. She's six. Okay. Wow. Wow. So good. Yeah. They do stuff like that. And then, you know, like she gives them like little prizes, but they're all like useful things. So she gave her a notepad and a pen that she can carry around and she can write, you know, cause she's just learning to write at six in kindergarten. And so she will write down her feelings. However, she thinks, you know, she'll sound it out and, or draw and stuff. So to her, it's a prize, but to mm-hmm. it as a tool, you know, to help her with things. And she carries that pen and notebook around everywhere now. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's really cool. I'm envious probably maybe is the word, but, but also hopeful Yeah. because as you say, it comes down and, you know, because, so I'm thinking back to when I was in school and that age, 25, 30 years ago, Mm -hmm. um, we had a school nurse, but they weren't necessarily associated with anybody with any healthcare organization, mm-hmm. but now not our school, but I know a school down the road is associated. Their school nurses are associated with the medical system. And so you could see how much easier that would be to integrate. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm hoping that that comes down to this level. Yeah. Sometime. No, absolutely. Like I, was so impressed with it because you know we had counselors but they were like academic counselors they were right right when we were in school they just called them that i actually called our superintendent and i said thank you so much for having this in school like this makes my day so much easier because i was trying to figure out how to shuffle school and the farm and dance and taking her to therapy you know right right and that becomes a lot and so so that becomes part of her school day mm-hmm. yeah each kid she schedules them for a different time throughout the week i think she has enough to keep her busy and so yeah each kid has their own time and she just goes and pulls them out of class for a little while and then she takes them back that's awesome mm-hmm. that's great and 
is there one counselor for the entire school? There is. Okay. Okay. But that's great. And, you know, that she becomes, again, it's normalizing that at a young age. And that way, when she is in her 20s and trying to navigate adulthood, she'll know that the therapist is a safe place to go, is a place that, that, that can help her. Yeah, because, you know, even as someone who has always been a big supporter of mental health, like I originally applied to college for psychology. You know, that's what that's originally what I thought about going into in college. So I'm always been a big fan of it. But even for me to go to decide to go to the therapist that first time and walk in there and be like, I'm doing this, even for me, that was kind of hard, you know, to admit and be like, yep, I'm going to go do this, <laughs> you know, so I'm hopeful that she won't have that reservation someday. Yeah, no, that's, that's incredible. And it's a, it's an incredible jumping off spot that she has. And it's an incredible foundation that she, that's getting laid down for her. Mm-hmm. You know, she, and, and the neat part about it is she gets to be, very proactive part of that and that's very important yes totally and i like it that i'm very separate from it the counselor and i talk all the time but like i have you know no physical i have no visual role in it you know it's her and her counselor and i also like that a lot you know it gives her some of that autonomy on it too that i don't I don't often think we give kids enough autonomy when it comes to things like that. So yeah, like she gets to spend her time with Miss Jessica and I have, as far as she can see, I have no part of it. And I really don't. I just like to see what she's, what, you know, Jessica's seeing and what she thinks. Sure, sure. And, sure. I mean, cause you're still her parent, you know, totally. and you know, so I mean, that's you. You want to have somewhat role, but also uh, you don't want it to interfere with anything. So I, I get where mm-hmm. you're coming from on yeah, that. Yeah, like that balance of being involved but not being involved. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Very cool. Well, Ashley, I appreciate your time here tonight, and I want to be respectful of your time, and I, I thank you for coming on and talking so openly about your journey not only your journey but your family's journey as well because it's it just shows that it's not just about us Mm -hmm. right it's more than us it's a it's kind of a legacy that we're leaving Mm -hmm. and that's 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 a really important point to make yeah absolutely i have had a lot of fun here talking and you know sharing about mine and my family's journey and you know, hopefully it can help someone who's, you know, struggling or not sure where to go or what to do. Yeah. And, you know, from what I can tell about you, you would be more than willing to chat with somebody. So how do they reach out to you to to talk to you or just get in contact with you? Yeah. So my pages, you know, any of my like official social media is Messy Kennedy. So M-E-S-S-Y-K-E-N-N-E-D-Y. I am most often on Facebook, Instagram. I do have a Twitter handle, but I don't know the last time I logged on there. So if you really want to contact me, that is not the place to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 
yeah, you know, you can get in contact with me there and I would be more than happy to talk to anybody, even if you just want to vent and get some frustration out. I'm, I would love to help anybody. Yeah. I, and that, that goes for me as well. My DMs are always open for, to chat to people about, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and I always like to say is my journey may not end with you, but I'd be more than happy to let it start with me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, well, very cool. Well, thank you for your time tonight. This has been a pleasure. Time went by fast, which it always does because uh, I love getting people on here who is pat or as passionate about this as I am. So thank yeah. you. Oh, thank you. It was a lot of fun and I'm glad we did this. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether you're on the backfield or the front yard. On Mo Day, perfection is a game of inches. It's a battle of fence line and fierce terrain. Out there on that grasshopper mower, you don't let anything stop your stripes. Nothing stands in the way of a job well done. For more on Mow Day and Grasshopper Mowers, visit grasshoppermower.com. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.